by telling you a story. So growing up in our family, mealtime was really important. Mom made dinner almost every single night and we always sat around the table. But when I was in high school, we had this friend who would about once a week show up at our house around the dinner hour and he'd knock and come in and he'd go, oh, oh, I'm sorry, oh, are you guys eating dinner? Oh, shoot, okay, no, I'm, I, I'm not gonna stay, I'm not gonna stay. And every single time, my mom would say to him, no, please stay, eat dinner with us. Even if that meant that my mom was not going to get her portion of dinner. Now, he knew what he was doing every single time he came to our house, but then so did my mom. You see, this friend was a lonely high schooler who was from a broken home, and he was longing for connection and community. Invitations can change our lives. Invitations impact us way more than we realize. You know, I want you to think about all the different types of invitations that you've had. Invitations to go get coffee or to try out a sport or to take a job. There's lots of different types of invitations. And what I think is so interesting is, you know, sometimes we get these big invitations and we think this is going to change everything and then nothing changes. And then other times we get these little tiny invitations. They are seemingly insignificant and it changes everything. Invitations make an impact. And not to be dramatic, but invitations can change our lives. You know, maybe it's because I turned 40 later on this summer that I've been in a little bit of a reflective mood. Uh, I was thinking about the invitations that I've both given and received as I was preparing this message. And, you know, I was thinking, just a simple invite to bump a volleyball in my friend's backyard made me fall in love with a sport that I played for over a decade. An invitation to join a teaching staff here in, in Champaign at Edison Middle School, that was my first job. That's where I kind of grew up. I learned how to, to work. I was also thinking about some of those funny invitations that I had extended that didn't go that well. Years ago, Mike and I were trying to start a small group, and we were really excited. We were newlyweds. We really wanted friends. And so we invited a dozen people to join us for small group. And we sent out a reminder. And back in the day, if you were married, you had a joint email account. So that was from MJ Yoder at Gmail. Sent out the reminder. I put my circle, my chair in the circles. You know, I cleaned a little bit. I put my snacks out, and I waited for the doorbell to ring and one person showed up. I was so discouraged. Now, don't feel bad for her. She had a great night. We got to listen to her entire life story. So she had a great night. But little did I know that getting involved with small groups would eventually lead Mike and I to being part of this team. You see, invitations, they make an impact. In fact, invitations, they can change the trajectory of our entire lives. That high schooler who came to our house for dinner about once a week, he fell in love with Jesus. And now, years later, he lives on the West Coast, and he is a youth pastor helping teens encounter God's love. I love this. Invitations can make an incredible impact on our lives. And that's what we're going to talk about today, because we've been in this series, which we've entitled Impact, where we've been uh, unpacking the power of partnership through some kind of unusual ways. You know, I think when, when you're in a Holy Spirit-filled church, you know, we often think of power about ministry and healing and maybe intimate moments of worship, and definitely those are moments of power. But the Holy Spirit also loves to work in kind of some surprising ways. You see, God is on a mission. He is on a mission to make the world whole, and he invites us to partner with him. 
You know, have you ever wondered, like, why am I here? What, what's, what's my purpose? Well, actually, Jesus talks about our purpose in Matthew 5. He says that we are here to be the light of the world, to show the world who Jesus really is. And he actually gives us instructions. I'm going to read from the message version. This is, this is Matthew 5, 16. It says, keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. So here's our instructions. Keep open house. Be hospitable. When we're generous with our lives, it actually prompts people to open up to God. And so we've been exploring this partnership during this series. And maybe you've never thought about the place that God has put you as an opportunity for partnership. Or maybe you've never thought about your story and your shared story having, part, uh, having power. And we explored that last week. And if you missed either of those messages, you can hop on YouTube and you can check them out. Today, I'm gonna continue the series and we're gonna talk about the power of invitation. Because invitations actually create space for God to move. And I'm really excited to, to dive into this topic. I believe that the Holy Spirit, he is inviting us to actually look at invitation in a totally fresh perspective. He wants us to invite people into our homes, into our hobbies, and into our heart. But I'm gonna pray and invite the Holy Spirit to be the teacher, and then we'll jump in. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you today to give us ears to hear what you have to tell us about partnership and invitation. We invite you now, come and have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, well, we do have a problem. We actually have an epidemic. Don't worry, it's not another upper respiratory problem. But unfortunately, central Illinois, or wherever you live, is affected. And there really isn't great immunity against this epidemic. It's pervasive, and it's actually extremely damaging and deadly. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the epidemic of loneliness. Researchers have been studying loneliness, and you know what they've discovered? It is worse than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. It's worse than obesity. It leads to heart disease and high cholesterol and potential stroke. It leads to cognitive de decline. It leads to, to uh, depression. And this epidemic, it is incredible, the impact that it is having on our society, staggering. In fact, one in three people report struggling with loneliness. And it's every age and every stage. You know, in our minds, we might think, well, maybe it's someone like elderly who maybe lives by themselves. No, it's every age and stage. None of us are immune to this epidemic of loneliness. In fact, that research told me that 61%, so almost double, of young adults report feeling lonely. I, I was like kind of blown away by this, so I thought, I'm gonna go talk to some of my young adult friends. Side note, it does pain me that I am no longer a young adult, but I needed to go talk to young people. And I said like, is, is there any way this could be true? And they were like, oh yeah, for sure. This is an epidemic. And, and it's not just uh, single people, married people also report feeling lonely. Young parents, specifically young mothers, report feeling lonely. And I understand, you know, you're with humans all day long, but they're just really short and they need a lot of stuff. So loneliness is this deep problem. And so I'm gonna ask you today, are you lonely? 
Do you have deep and satisfying relationships with other people? Because God designs you actually to have deep and satisfying relationships with other people. And yet I believe that many of us struggle with loneliness. And so this leads me to ask the question, how could we impact the epidemic of loneliness? Not just for our own lives, but for the sake of the world. What could we do? And today I am proposing that we could help solve the epidemic of loneliness by embracing the practice and the power of invitation. This is what I believe that Jesus is asking us to consider. So let's have a little chat. Let's have a little heart to heart. I know I have a microphone, that's a little unfair. So I won't make you answer out loud, but you can answer in your head. Okay, I'm gonna ask some questions and these are challenging questions. I'm challenged by these questions. Okay, my first question. When was the last time you invited someone to do something? It could be anything, little or big. Okay, when was that person more than just a friend or a family member? I know, it's a little bit uncomfortable. Okay, let's ask another question. When was the last time someone invited you to do something? Could be little or big. Again, that maybe wasn't a friend or a family member. These questions are hard and they're kind of humbling, but I think these are good questions that we have to ask ourselves as we consider how we partner with Holy Spirit in this whole area of invitation. Because I know some of you right now, some of you are the, the natural gatherers and the natural inviters. You're like, yes, this is a great message. Everybody needs to listen to it. And other people are like, okay, listen, I just came to church to hopefully be encouraged. You know what? This message is for everyone. If you are 12, all the way up to 92. Each of us has the power to invite other people into our homes, our hobbies, and our heart. And this is the invitation that we have today. Okay, you gotta love a curious preacher because I say to myself, okay, so we're not maybe getting a lot of invitations or extending a lot of invitations, so why? Why do you not invite people in general? And again, so much of this is based on our personalities, right? And so I think for some of us, we're like, I just fear rejection. Like, I don't wanna invite someone and then they don't come or they think I'm weird. I don't wanna be rejected. Okay, others of us, we are, we're depleted. We're, we're exhausted. We're like, oh my gosh, the thought of inviting someone into my chaos just kind of seems mean. So I don't know that I should do that. It's like you're swimming, you're doggy paddling, and you're like, that would just not be kind. And so maybe you just feel overwhelmed at the thought of inviting people, or perhaps you're ashamed. You know, you don't like your apartment. You know, you, you, you think your hobby is a little weird and you don't actually wanna tell other people that's what you enjoy doing in your spare time. And so we're ashamed. And so these different things, they keep us actually from partnering with the power of invitation. That's because inviting people into our homes and our hobbies and our hearts can be challenging. But I'm gonna ask you again, are you lonely? We know the world is lonely because that's what research tells us. And so today we are going to look at a gift that God has given us, a gift of partnership that God has given us that we can participate in. You see, he loves to solve problems in our world by partnering through us. And so what we are going to look at is we are going to look at what is a way that we could embrace this practice of invitation. Are you ready? Hospitality. Wow, 
I, I mean, that kind of fell kind of flat. No, it's totally fine. It's totally fine. I know why it fell flat. Because when you think of hospitality, you're thinking of like hotels with really nice amenities, or you're thinking of like Joanna Gaines, you know? I mean, who doesn't want to go to Target and spend way too much money on hearth and home, right? Or you're thinking of Gordon Ramsay or Rachel Ray, like whipping up a delectable three-course meal. Like that's what you think of when you think of hospitality. No, wrong. Hospitality is actually simpler than that. You know what hospitality is? It's being generous with our resources, our time, and our energy when it comes to others. And specifically when it comes to guests, visitors, and, and strangers. That is what hospitality is. And here's the really good news. Hospitality is actually a biblical principle. We find it all throughout the Bible. Now, what does that mean? Well, when something's in the Bible, when something is a biblical practice, we actually, as Christians, we get invited into this practice. In fact, we can go to scripture and we can read, for example, what the Apostle Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, says about hospitality. This is Romans 12, 13. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them always eager to practice hospitality. So here we have it. Paul's saying, hey, if there's a need, we get to fill it and we should be eager. That means we're excited, we're willing, and we're ready to practice generosity, which is simply being generous with our resources, our time, and our energy. Or we could read what the apostle Peter says. This is one of Jesus's best friends and one of his disciples. This is 1 Peter 4, 9, and 10. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his variety, from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. So we are instructed here to cheerfully, with joy. So that means if you're kind of cringing right now, just remember what Peter said. With joy, we get to share what we have. We see here hospitality, it's a gift. It's a gift that we get to use to serve one another. So actually all throughout the Bible, we see hospitality played out, right? And some of this was cultural. This was very normal for that day and age. And some of it was out of necessity. You know, there were no interstates. There were no Hiltons. There really weren't any Applebee's or major restaurants, right? And so what did people have to do? They had to walk everywhere they went when they traveled, and they'd have to stay at a stranger's home. They'd have to be in someone's home. We see all throughout scripture that actually sharing food together, breaking bread together is a very biblical concept. Think about Jesus's ministry for a second. It often centered around people's homes and food. And so we see hospitality all throughout the scripture. Now, I know our world is very different, but I actually think we have something to learn here because we know that there is this epidemic of loneliness. We know it because we experience it and we know the world is experiencing it around us. And we can make an impact. We can change the world with Jesus by loving and inviting people into our homes, our hobbies, and our hearts. Okay, I'm so excited because we're gonna go to the Old Testament today and I'm gonna read us a story. And admittedly, this story is a little different, um, but you gotta love the Bible, right? And the Bible has two parts. The Bible has an Old Testament and a New Testament. And I know for many people, we love to read the New Testament because the New Testament is a little bit easier sometimes to read, but there are rich stories in the Old Testament. And all throughout this series, we have rooted it in the Old Testament. And so today we're gonna be in 2 Kings 4. And I'm gonna read part of the story and then I'm gonna give you some highlights and I'm gonna encourage you to go and read the story yourself because it's very interesting. 
This is a story about a man named Elisha. Elisha was a prophet, and he was the protege of Elijah. And this is a story of invitation and hospitality and how invitations create space for God to move. Okay, this is 2 Kings verse 8. I'm going to read a couple uh, verses, and then we'll talk about it. Okay, one day, Elisha went to the town of Shunem. A wealthy woman lived there, and she urged him to come to her home for a meal. After that, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. She said to her husband, I am sure this man who stops in from time to time is a holy man of God. Let's build a small room for him on the roof and furnish it with a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. Then he will have a place to stay whenever he comes by. Okay, let's pause there for a minute and let's process what we've just learned. Okay, so Elisha travels for work. He goes wherever God tells him to go. And he ministers and brings prophecies to those different areas. And so we meet Elisha, and he meets this woman from Shunem. And I love this. Their friendship starts with dinner. And I think this is a word to some of us today, that food is your friend. And so they, they ate dinner together. And this dinner, it must have gone really well, because then anytime Elisha comes through, he stops and they eat dinner together at her home. And, you know, after some time, she's like, she goes to her husband. She says to him, listen, this guy is amazing. He's a man of God. I, I've got a great idea. Can't you just imagine this, this wife saying to her husband, let's build an addition. Yep, let's, let's, let's build an addition onto this house for our friend Elisha. I mean, talk about honey-do list, right? And so she convinces her husband that she should, uh, that they should put on this addition, and they do. Okay, now, what I love that we find out here is that this is such a beautiful picture of how invitation and hospitality can help us create space for God to move. Let's read what happens next. This is verse 11. One day, Elisha returned to Shunem, and he went up to his, this upper room to rest. He said to his servant Gehazi, tell the woman from Shunem I want to speak to her. When she, when she appeared, Elisha said to Gehazi, tell her, we appreciate the kind concern you have shown us. What can we do for you? Can we put in a good word for you to the king or the commander of the army? No, she replied, my family takes good care of me. Later, Elisha said to Gehazi, what can we do for her? Gehazi replied, she doesn't have a son and her husband is an old man. Call her back again, Elisha told him. When the woman returned, Elisha said to him as she stood in the doorway, next year at this time, you will be holding a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she cried. Oh, man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. But sure enough, the woman soon became pregnant. And at that time, the following year, she had a son, just as Elisha had said. Okay, this is a really interesting encounter. Let's unpack it just a little bit further. Okay, so I love that we find out in this part of the story that this woman did not do anything that she did to get something from Elisha. Her motivation was not to like get a child or to get something, rather it was to give. And actually in the Bible, in Acts, it says it is better to give than to receive. And as we embrace this posture of invitation and hospitality, we really wanna keep our motives pure. You know, we aren't here to trick people or to get them to do something, no, 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 no. We are here to show people who God is, to open up our lives, why? Matthew told us, because it prompts other people to open up to God. And so we see here, her motives were really pure, but Elisha, he's a good guy. He's like, 
listen, please, let me repay you. Like, let, what could I do for you? And she's like, listen, I'm good, I'm good. He's like, you sure? Like, commander of the army, king, I could, you know, put in a good word for you. And she's like, really, I'm good. But it's when Gehazi discovers that she is barren, that she does not have a son, even though her husband is old. I mean, burn, man. That's in the Bible, but what else? Okay, so this actually thickens the plot. Now, to our, to our ear, like you might read through that and be like, oh yeah, she didn't have a kid. Oh well. Barrenness in the Old Testament, and really in ancient times, was just viewed very differently. It would have been assumed that something was wrong with her, that she had done something to deserve not having a child, that there was some secret sin, there was some secret problem, and this was God's judgment upon her. And so this means that she would have been isolated, she would have been ostracized, and she would have been lonely. She would have been lonely. And when Elisha hears this, he immediately, obviously, hears a, a, a word from the Lord, and he goes to her, and he prophesies. He says, a year from now, you are going to be holding a son. And she, she's gone through a lot. You can tell. She's like, don't get my hopes up. That is the sound of a woman who has gone through some things. And she says, you know, don't get my hopes up. But sure enough, a year later, she has a son. You see, this invitation, it created space for the miraculous to happen. And I believe that actually Holy Spirit is inviting us this summer to partner with invitation and watch the miraculous unfold in our lives. Now, I don't have time to continue reading this story because it actually goes on quite a bit, but let me just give you a couple of the highlights. So if we kept reading there in 2 Kings 4, this miracle son, when he's kind of like an older child, they don't give an exact age, he has a very brief but severe sickness and he dies. And this woman, she goes to Elisha and she's like, listen, God promised me this child and you're gonna resurrect him. And Elisha lays hands on him and does some other admittedly kind of crazy things and through the power of God, her son is raised back from the dead. It's an incredible story. That's in 2 Kings 4. And that would be amazing if that's where the story ended, but the story doesn't end there. If you keep reading in 2 Kings 8, a uh, couple chapters later, we again meet the woman from Shunem. And this time, Elisha's like, listen, there's gonna be a famine. You and your family, you guys should leave the area and you should move somewhere else. And so she follows Elisha's advice. They move. And when the famine's over, they move back. And she needs to get her house back. She needs to get her land back. And so she goes to the king. Well, wouldn't you know that the king at that very moment is talking with Gehazi, Elisha's servant. And the king had said to Gehazi, Gehazi, tell me some amazing things that Elisha did. Tell me about his amazing miracles. And so Gehazi is recounting the time that he raised the Shunammite's woman or the Shunammite woman's child from the dead. And at that moment, the woman comes in the room. And the king, having just heard this story, says to the woman, I'm gonna give you back your house, I'm gonna give you back your land, and I'm gonna pay for every crop that has been harvested the last seven years. It, it's, yeah, you can clap. It's a crazy story, but this is what I love here. God cares about so many different aspects of our lives. And so frequently, I think we like exclude maybe finances or other things that maybe don't feel quite as spiritual. God is in the business of bringing wholeness and hope to the world, and we get to partner with him. And what this story, albeit a little bit weird and kooky, 
What it shows us is that we can partner with God through invitation and by embracing hospitality. Okay. You know, I was thinking about this. I know a lot of us are in a place where we kind of need a miracle. And I know a lot of times we feel stuck because we can't make a miracle happen. And we don't want our motives to be in this place, just like the woman was, she wasn't in a place where she was like, well, I need to get something from Elisha. Her motives were pure, but I think for some of us, I think there's an invitation today that Jesus is saying, listen, ask me who you're supposed to get connected with. Because this is what God loves to do. He loves to connect and to intertwine our stories. He loves to bring two people together who through that relationship, that partnership, that friendship, his kingdom gets released. And for some of us today, you feel stuck. And I believe that you're gonna hear just through Holy Spirit, during worship, during ministry time, who you're supposed to reach out to and connect with. And again, it's not from this place of, I need to get that miracle. No one can make your miracle happen but God. But one of the ways he loves to work is through this whole issue and idea of invitation. Okay, so I kind of want to land the plane. How do we do this? How do we actually live this out? And what are we actually inviting people into? What are we actually inviting people into? You know, when we come into relationship with Jesus, we're invited by him. And we wanna invite people in that same way. The way we like to say it here at the Vineyard is we wanna invite people to encounter the love of the Father, to be fully known by God, to experience transformation from Jesus, where Jesus actually makes us different than we used to be, where we actually live in freedom instead of enslaved and what had been. And then we invite people to the miraculous. And we do not shy away from this. We believe in the miraculous. First, that we get to receive it, and then we get to extend it to the world around us. And so what did we learn today? We learned that our purpose, the reason why we're here, is to be light, to show others who God really is. And the way we get to do this is by keeping open house, by being generous with our energy and our time and our resources, and that is called hospitality. So there's three places that I've encouraged us today to, to really press into, to, to give away from, and that is that we wanna invite people into our homes, into our hobbies, and into our hearts. And so I'm gonna break those down just really briefly, and we'll talk about it. So the first place is our home. Now, when I say home, we have all different types of homes, right? Some of us live in trailers, some of us live in apartments or dorm rooms, some of us live in a single family home or a duplex. There's so many different types of homes. And I know, you know, this is a sensitive area. And I just want to acknowledge this. For some people, you're so excited. Maybe you're in your forever house. For other people, you cannot wait until your lease is up. Let me encourage you that the home that God has given you right now in 2022 is a gift that he wants you to use to partner with him. Your house does not have to be big. It does not have to be perfect. In fact, if you don't want to even have people inside your house, do you have a lawn? Do you have a patio? Do you have a porch? This is such an incredible opportunity. You know, years ago, there was a pastor here on staff, and she was an amazing host. And she was talking about having a culture of hospitality, and she told us this, and it stuck with me. It's probably been 20 years since she said this. She said, you know, when you're having people over, the worst thing you can do is have a whole bunch of vacuum marks. And I was like, huh? Like, she's like, listen, 
leave some crumbs on the floor. People want to know you're normal. And I was like, you know, it actually has totally stuck with me all these years. Now, I will say, I have been known to do a quick clean, which basically means do not open any drawers or doors when you come to my house. Those things have been strategically put away, okay? But your house doesn't have to be perfect. Let, my, let me encourage you with this. Do not let living in your house keep you from inviting people to your house. You live there. People know that. I know this is challenging. Food is your friend when you invite people over to your house. And again, you don't have to be a chef. You know, kids love hot dogs. You know, you could order a pizza. You could do takeout. You could have people bring their own dishes. You know, I, I could not find the statistic, but one time I had read that foreigners are very rarely invited to Americans' homes. And here, we have an incredible international population. And I want to encourage us, invite the foreigner. Invite people who you do not know into your home to get to know one another, to share stories. God has put you in the same place, and you get to, you get to learn from one another. If you're young, check with your parents. But they totally want people to come to your house. You just got to check with your parents first. Okay, let's go to the second one, hobbies. Okay, what do you love to do? Do you love to golf? If you love to golf, grab a couple of friends and go golfing. Just don't call my husband because that takes way too long, okay? Short hobbies for my husband if you're thinking of inviting him somewhere. Do you love to sew or to cook or to bake? A lot of people have little clubs around those or a book club. I saw uh, just the other day, uh, some good friends were just putting on social media, hey, do you like to read? We're gonna start a book club. You can invite people into what you're already doing. Okay, if you are one of those people who feel like you're drowning, like you're way too busy, this is the place I would totally start because these are things that you actually enjoy doing that makes it easy to invite people to do it with you. You know, I don't actually want this to be hard for you. I'm not trying to like tell you to you know, do something incredibly challenging that's just gonna drain you. This is actually supposed to bring you life. Remember, we are breaking the epidemic of loneliness. We are partnering with God to bring his wholeness and his hope into the world. And so I wanna encourage you, whatever you like to do, consider inviting people to join you. It's a great idea. Okay, and lastly, we wanna invite people into our heart. You know, this is what the woman from Shunem did. She and Elisha's friendship grew and blossomed over the years. And I think for some of us, especially if you're a little bit older, you know, you're kind of like, oh, this is a young person's message. I'm old. I'm set in my ways. Or I've, I've done this before. And I just think today there's just fresh grace to re-up. Maybe you've had seasons you've been really invitational and you've had lots of friends and it feels really life-giving. I just sense today, Holy Spirit saying, hey, I'm here and I wanna connect you again with people. I don't want you to be alone. I want you to live in rich and satisfying relationships with other people. This is how I've designed you. Because the power of invitation is that it creates space for God to move. We wanna be people who make an impact. We wanna impact this region, our nation, and the world. And we do that by partnering with God through the power of invitation. I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna worship. So Holy Spirit, I just thank you that you are the one who empowers us. And in any way, God, that it feels hard or heavy, Holy Spirit, right now, I just thank you that you're coming with lightness, you're coming with joy, you're coming to remind us that you actually break things like loneliness in our lives, God, that you bring wholeness relationally and 
as we connect with one another. And so Holy Spirit, we just welcome you now as we transition into worship. And I pray that just even as we worship, God, you'd begin to speak to us about who we could invite into our homes, into our hobbies, and into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.